0: Oh, my God, I didn't even see the timestamp at 2.45 a.m. You sent this email. <laughs> <laughs> Commitment, ladies right, and gentlemen. Right there. That is some professional <laughs> film historian behavior. Ex- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Hello oh, and welcome to A Century in Cinema. My name is Arthur. I'm a local filmmaker here in Utah. And I uh I, I burned the roof of my
1: mouth eating pizza yesterday and I I'm I'm still suffering. Hi there, my name is Andrew. I'm a professional film historian, and um I, I wanna make a joke about like waving a bunch of fabric in the air to like somehow cool down the inside of the roof of your mouth. Like we could do like a whole musical number <laughs> around this. <laughs> Um, but I don't know how to format it. So y'all y'all can make the joke for me this week. A joke that only the people who have seen the film won't right. understand.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, and this is a podcast where we watch and discuss a classic film that I have not seen. But I most likely have from every year. This week, we are in 2002. We're watching the Bollywood film Devdas, directed by sanjay lila Bansali. i hope i'm pronouncing that right but i'm probably gonna get a bunch of pronunciations wrong oh
1: we're gonna butcher this whole thing today yeah for sure for sure yeah
0: uh for any new listeners you can find where our movies are streaming or available to rent online and the link down in our show notes andrew where'd you watch this
1: i got a free trial a week-long free trial for oh i can't remember Eros Now? Eros Now, thank you. Yeah, that's also how I watched it. Yeah, because it's just so easy. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not getting a new streaming service, so I will watch this movie and then just get rid of the subscription immediately.
0: (laughs) In our Patreon episode, we're going to talk about films you don't want to watch with your parents. Oh, that's a good one. A.K.A. How is the new Cronenberg film? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, I'm into it. Oh, I didn't write down what happened in 2002, but I think I can just make some stuff up. Oh, you just made it up? Yeah, you just make up history.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Well, after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, President George W. Bush, in January of 2002, gives his Axis of Evil speech, where he lays out that Iraq, Iran, and North Korea are the big dangers to the world and the sponsors of terrorists like Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. At the same time, Iraq says no to any sort of UN inspections of their weapon facilities and the threat of weapons of mass destruction becomes a thing that's on everyone's mind. Also on everyone's mind, uh, terrorist attacks. There's snipers in Washington, D.C. There's a terrorist bombing in Bali, killing 202 people, injuring over 300. In Moscow, 800 theatergoers are taken hostage. And when special forces storm the building, uh, 128 of those hostages are killed and 41 of the rebels are, are killed as well. What else is going on? You know, Salt Lake City is in the world news in 2002. We got ourselves the Winter Olympics, which everyone still has a lot of fond memories. Of oh, that right? was this year? Yeah, yeah. And you see like monuments to it and everything and everything. Yeah. Well, the entire interstate system is different because of it. Um, I don't see much else top of the world box office lord of the rings the two towers unsurprisingly and number two is harry potter and the chamber of secrets also unsurprising spider-man is at number three at number four star wars episode two at number five men in black two man it's just a bunch of sequels god and it never stopped and it never stopped ever again at one point, Bowling for Columbine was on this list, I think. And I still want to watch that movie at some point. I think it's an important film, probably. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yes. Um, but in general, documentary filmmaking uh, becomes a huge thing after 9-11. I think that audiences, American audiences, just become way more receptive to using cinema as a way to interrogate real life events, especially after they saw something so harrowing and traumatic happen Live, like in in media, right? Mm-hmm. So, documentary filmmaking becomes a huge thing. I wanted to watch a documentary on our list, but I don't think we're going to do it. I don't think, I, I think they, they all kind of just got pushed out for other things we wanted. No, to talk no, no.
1: About. We did thin, thin Blue Line.
0: I just mean in this post 911 era. Oh,
1: oh, oh. Do you have any, uh looking at these movies, do you have any nostalgic memories about the movie theaters or anything in 2002?
0: I remember having a terrible, terrible headache on a vacation. And it was the it was the night that Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was coming out. And I, I, I just had to I still had to go. I still had to go. I had to work through my headache, whatever I was going through. I had to see Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets.
1: And you know what? It cured my headache. It did. Girl, I can top that. I went and saw Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince the day I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I still (laughs) had the gauze, like there was still like literally blood-soaked gauze on my fucking face, while I was watching Harry Potter and the Book Prince, and I passed out from the pain meds halfway through. (laughs) So one of my big nostalgic memories from 2002, this was when my parents started kind of trusting me to go to a movie on my own, just Mm. like kids' movies. And they would still be there. For instance, my parents really wanted to see Two Weeks Notice, and I had no interest, but I was dying to see Treasure Planet. And I had proven to them, like, I can sit in the movie theater, I can be quiet, I can be obedient, and I can watch the movie. Because I'm, what, 11 at this point? Mm. I'm about to be a teenager. So they went and saw Two Weeks Notice, and I went and saw Treasure Planet by myself, and I loved it i loved it so much and it was opening weekend and there was nobody in my theater sounds about right i i I was genuinely just blown away by it i still like that film quite a bit there's a huge long history behind the making of that film that we don't have time to get into but it was one of disney's most expensive films ever and it was the first film to have a dual release format where it came out both in regular theaters and imax theaters was the first film to do that Mm -hmm. remember that in the same vein, I remember that my parents really wanted to see my big, fat Greek wedding, and so me and my little sister went and saw Lilo and Stitch instead, because my little sister really liked the idea that I got to go see a movie that the parents didn't get to see, and we loved that one as well, and after that movie was over, we were talking about how good it was, and they were like, oh, great, great. They just didn't care. <laughs> I think they also enjoyed like getting a little bit of time away from the kids at the movies. But yeah, I don't know i I have a lot of uh I have a lot of memories from these times
0: absolutely. I still feel a little bad about dragging my parents to go see little kids' movies, but then I found out later that they really liked little kids movies, and you know what I also really like little kids' movies now that I'm older
1: yeah i i would I've never felt bad about that um and there's still a little bit of mucus happening audience, so give me some slack. This was the year uh from Justin to Kelly came out. Uh, For those of you who are unaware, there, there was this tiny show that used to be really, really popular called American Idol. And when I say really, really popular, <laughs> I mean this was the most popular thing in the entire country. Everyone was talking about this. Everyone was Everyone. calling in and voting. Everyone. We were all watching. It was crazy. More people voted in American Idol than voted in the than uh, the in the election mm. there was a satirical film called american dreams made about this situation where marilyn monroe sort of played a kelly clarkson type and then it was like a terrorist attack within <laughs> this singing competition it's actually wow. pretty funny Tomical. i like that movie but because of the insane success of this competition reality show which had really just never been seen these kinds of numbers had never been seen when it came to reality tv they were trying to push things forward and decided they would they would venture into the medium of film. And they made From Justin to Kelly, which was an original musical in which the top two contestants for American Idol play characters that weirdly just have their actual names and they fall in love on a beach and nothing happens for two hours straight. It's one of the worst movies you can ever watch. The music even is just so so bad the only good numbers are the jukebox numbers every original song is just one of the worst things you can ever listen to and it's a miraculous piece of cinema i can't describe it it's 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 insane to see something so soulless and trashy and i don't know it grips me so
0: what are your other official recommendations
1: for? so that's not an official recommendation (laughs) that's just more something that happened this year Hero, which is an official recommendation. Oh yeah, this is great. Wonderful, wonderful film. It's it's a Wusha film, but it's also a sort of an action take on Rashomon. It's got a lot of elements going for it, especially visually. I remember the trailers for this movie in theaters and being like, I want to see that, but it was rated R. But it was the first foreign film to ever open number one at the American box office
0: deservedly so i mean it's a really epic really good movie film yeah
1: this is also uh this was a weird tale of morality for a bunch of children around the world who surely were aware that death existed but might not have been aware that it can affect art this was the year richard harris died and richard harris is a very celebrated actor he's a wonderful performer i love him in many movies But at this point in time, he was playing Dumbledore in the Harry Potter movies. Mm, And I remember when it was announced that none of us knew what was going to happen next. It was also weird that we found out he died and then a movie came out with him. Like, that was something. Maybe it was just me, Hmm. but, like, my little kid brain didn't really understand that. How could they do that? Yeah. Yeah. I also... One last nostalgic memory, then I'll get into my official, official recommendations, which are only only a few of them. Did you ever see Spirit, Stallion of the, of the Cimarron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> we went and saw that at the drive-in as a double feature with The Scorpion King, which was horrible. They were both just really bad movies, just a terrible double feature. And I remember that we were there with another family from our church, and... Me and the, her name is Sherry Moore. I remember her. And she and I were sitting next to each other. We were laughing, and it was like the first time I'd really felt camaraderie as far as like, "Oh, I can be a really extroverted person. And then spirit came on, and none of us knew the horses weren't going to talk. DreamWorks really, really biffed it when it came to advertising this film. They made it look like the horses were talking. So because the horses don't talk and because it's an hour and a half long movie where horses are just not talking, me and Sherry Moore started just sort of doing a little riff tracks in the drive-in where we were filling in dialogue for the horses on the screen. And we were, sometimes they would fit so perfectly that we were just cackling. And I that that's a fond memory as well. All right, I have a few small movie recommendations that we're going to get into our movie for the week. First up, you have you seen Russian Ark, Arthur? I have, yeah. I just love this movie. Do you like this
0: movie? Uh I am I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, and you should tell our listeners why it is so
1: unique. Yes, so this is a film by Alexander Sokorov, one of the um one of the Soviet masters, Russian masters. God, I'm so, still so bad at that. Uh, um, I don't know. We don't know. It is a essentially it is a tour through a museum that has these fantastical elements and ends up folding into a sort of larger narrative if you let yourself interpret it. But what makes the film unique is that the entire film is done in one shot, in one take. This is not a Birdman situation where it's sort of all these fake-outs and stuff. This was actually done in one huge long shot. People had, like, battery packs and stuff attached to their backs and all these film reels ready to go to the switch out film reels on the fly. This was an insane production. Next up, I have a sort of a creepy thriller vibe uh, Asian film double feature. First up is the Japanese film Dark Water by Hideo Nakata. Have you ever seen that? No, but I wanted to. Terrifying movie about a woman whose house has a leak coming through the roof, but the people above her are not responsible for it, and she's trying to figure out what's causing it. It is such a scary movie, and the third act is so... It it, it it sticks with you. It's a really, really great movie. Also a good movie to show people who are like, oh my god, horror movies are just now becoming like metaphors for, you know, human emotions and stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. This has been happening for a while. And in fact, the Japanese, they perfected this far before we did. <laughs> um, but yeah. Always have. Really always have. Yeah. Anyways. When it comes to horror, I really do think the Japanese culture understands it a little better than American culture. And then my second film is from South Korea, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance by Park Chan-wook. This is a thrilling film that keeps you on the edge of your seat. This was Park Chan-wook's first big breakthrough as a director. We will be discussing him super in-depth later in our podcast. But yes, this is one of his really great films. It's about a man who sells his kidney on the black market to help his sister, and things just go terribly terribly wrong. It's really, really good, and the acting in it is unbelievable. This is the first film I ever saw Song Kang Ho in, um, who our listeners might know from Parasite. He's a very famous Korean actor, and this was also a really big breakthrough for him as well. Next up, I'm going to recommend The Magdalene Sisters, directed by Peter Mullen. This is an Irish film about three women who uh when they became pregnant their parents shoved them off to a catholic boarding school after uh making them get rid of their babies either by doing a shady abortion or by adopting them off as soon as they were born and these three girls uh have to live with the trauma of each other this film is so so well directed and well acted and also Every version of this film that you can find on DVD, even on streaming services, it's always included as a special feature. Includes the documentary about these three actual women, because the director always just wanted this to be a vessel to get the story out. And it's it's just a really incredible emotional experience. I love the Magdalene Sisters. If I were running a film class, I would show this film for some reason. (laughs) Two more recommendations. Secretary by Steven Shainberg, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. This is the hottest movie I've ever seen. This is the sexiest movie I've ever seen. I I I, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, how on earth did you make a movie this sensual and this erotic with no like? There's no nudity or any real sex in the whole movie. It's all just role play, but it's incredible. And then. My final recommendation for 2002, it just absolutely has to be Fernando Morelli's City of God. Have you seen City of God?
0: Yes, and this is an incredible film. Incredible
1: movie. This, This is right up there with Donnie Darko in 2001 as a movie that I saw. I saw this when I was in the 10th grade, and I realized, oh, movies are just really good like way better than i thought they were like the city of god is just an incredible film that takes place over the course of a uh, young boy's entire life in brazil and you learn his past you learn the things that he was exposed to when he was a child and how it affected his upbringing the way the film is shot and edited it's it still feels revolutionary today this movie still looks and feels so fresh um, I love City of God. Um, also, final little thing, then we'll get into our movie. This was the year I found out I was gay. <laughs> and it was from the Triple X trailer in front of the Spider-Man VHS tape. You better believe it. I saw I saw Vin Diesel come in shirtless, popping that fur coat, and I was like, whoa. And uh have not been the same since. But the funny thing is. I can't recommend that movie at all because I've still to this day never actually watched it. <laughs> but the trailer did literally change my life. Know <laughs> what to give you as a gift? Oh, that would be that would be so funny actually. <laughs> give me the double pack. I want the sequel included.
0: <laughs> this film, Devdas, the Bollywood film that we're talking about this week came to us from one of our listeners. Amar reached out to us and said, you should watch a Bollywood film. Why don't you have any Bollywood films on your list? And that is a great point. He recommended five different films and we, we ended up with Devdas, 2002, which this is from Amar. He says, Devdas is based on a book from 1917 and considered the pinnacle of a love story from India. Kind of like Romeo and Juliet, but so much better. This is the modern, definitive version and an amazing spectacle of a film. There are about 17 filmed versions of this story in many of the languages of India, so its stretch and impact are wide. That gives you a little bit of context. Devdas?
1: Yeah, I do appreciate that context because the one thing I kept running into when doing any research on this movie was oh really familiar material. Stuff we've seen before, the you know, so that makes a lot of sense. I had a feeling that was what it was, but it's good to have that confirmation. It's true.
0: A lot of the critical reviews I was reading was saying, yep, here are the cliches. We've seen this all before.
1: Um, I can give a quick summary of the plot. It's it's honestly not super dense, similar to how you could describe Romeo and Juliet in a couple of sentences, even though it's made such a huge impact. Hmm. It's a film about Deodas, our leading man and he is in love with this woman named Paro and she's been in love with him and they think that they are going to get married and that their love will flourish after he's been gone for a long time. But then Deodas's mother and sister in law decide they don't want that. And <laughs> his his whole family is kind of against it, right? The, yeah, well his whole family kind of sucks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so So they, they don't want it, and they decide that they're going to deny Pero's mother the right to do any of this, and so Pero's mother sort of kind of puts a curse on them, and then does sinks into alcoholism and is cared for by a courtesan named Muki, and Muki is unsuccessful in being able to bring him back. Her and Perro get a big old musical number where they decide, you know what, we're, we're better than all this. And then Dedas dies of alcoholism outside of Perro's house, and she senses his presence and runs towards him, but she's too late, and the doors are shut. It is a very tragic story.
0: Yeah, yeah. I knew it was going to be tragic, too. I mean, as soon as you get the Romeo and Juliet comparisons, I'm like, oh, this isn't This isn't going to end with anyone being happy. And yeah, everyone in this love triangle kind of comes out with absolutely nothing.
1: Well, I think Padreau comes out way worse for it all. I feel really bad for her because of her love for Davidus, which is represented by this never-ending candle. Her new husband... Even though he also has agreed that he's not actually in love with her, she's more just somebody to help him run the house. It's a political marriage, yeah. He he still has jealousy about this, so he says she's never allowed to leave the house. So she ends up like a prisoner. Chandra Muki is still a courtesan, which it's hard to tell where the film is leaning as to whether that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> but neutral. I would say that her 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 trajectory stays pretty neutral. And then, yeah, they just... just Straight up dies.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I shouldn't laugh. Devdoss dies. It's sad. It's very sad. It's very, it's Andrew. What do you think? What do you
1: think I thought? I think you loved this. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> this was, this was so good. In my opinion, I like the visuals. They were just, they were something to behold. Even on my TV screen. In my room, this just felt like something so huge. It took me to another place, Uh, and it didn't. It didn't take me to India. It took me to this fantastical world. The rules of logic and emotion in this world are not necessarily human, and (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I mean, it starts off immediately with people laughing, and then all of a sudden they turn around. And they're just crying, thinking about things in the past. And I was like, oh, my God, I wish this was how the world worked. All of the musical numbers were just phenomenal. My personal favorite was the first one, Paro's number with the candle that never went out. God, that choreography and the way they're hiding the candle from her. And when all the red powder comes out at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I literally have watched that like five times (laughs) over the past two days. I think it's such a good number. Yeah, I, I just absolutely loved it. I had a great time. What did you think?
0: Hell yeah. I really liked it too. Everyone's wearing their emotions on their sleeves. It's so over the top and melodramatic. And once you can kind of get into that, I'm right there with you. I think this is a this is a great film. Yeah, they're wearing them
1: on both sleeves.
0: Everywhere. Every sleeve Every- <laughs> you could have. <laughs> it's over the top, not just in the... Acting and the emotions that everyone's just spilling all over the floor, but I mean the the set design and the filming and the way the camera is swooping in everywhere—it's it's just a crazy
1: visual feast. Yes, the camera does somersaults over a chandelier no less than three times, and I was like, "This is just so <laughs> unnecessary," and I love it every time it does this. Now you watch something like this, and you're like, "Okay, this looks expensive," and then
0: you find out, "Oh, this was the most expensive." Bollywood film at the time this was this was a big deal
1: but in U.S. dollars did you see that on the Wikipedia yes this is the most expensive film in India but it was 10.3 million dollars like oh a small independent film (laughs) but I mean (laughs) (laughs) once I found out this is the most expensive film in India I was like well it better be it looks like it it just looks so lavish so I don't I don't know how resources or dollars or money works really. That's right. So <laughs> I don't understand it at all, but it is just it's just insane to me that 10.3 million dollars can take a movie this far in India.
0: That's a smaller number than I was expecting. Um but then I found this stat. It's just here on the Wikipedia page for Bollywood. In 2001 ticket sales for Indian cinema reportedly sold an estimated of 3.6 billion tickets worldwide. 3.6 billion tickets worldwide compared to Hollywood, 2.6 billion tickets. 3.6 billion from Bollywood versus 2.6 from Hollywood. That's in 2001. So just around this time. So it does illustrate just how huge, how massive the Indian cinematic machine is. And... It's not an export that I feel like reaches the American uh, Western shores very much at all. I mean, this is the first Bollywood film that I've ever seen. I've watched a lot of Asian cinema, but Indian cinema, I've got to admit, blind spot. I have many blind
1: spots, but yeah. You know, my biggest blind spot is Nigerian cinema. I think they produce the most movies per year. At least they did a few years ago. Wow. So there you go. Add that to your list of shame. You know, my very first Bollywood film was Sawarria, which I thought was okay, this is way better, but was direct- also directed by Sanjay Lila Bansali, and I didn't know that when I was younger, that was just a movie that came out, was it 2006 or 2007, I can't remember, 2007, so of course I just went and saw it because it was playing at my local theater for one week, but I did, I what I did love about it was the storytelling, how long it was, I loved having an intermission in the movie theater that felt Ooh, so yes. good. and yeah, it was just it was just nice to come to this movie, Dave Dawson, and realize, oh, I actually have a little bit of context for this movie because I've seen another work from this director. That's pretty cool. Have you seen a lot of Bollywood films? I would not say a lot i've seen I've seen a handful here and there. Actually, I saw that theatrical re-release of Rr.R a couple weeks ago the big Bollywood action film that people have been talking about from this year.
0: Right. I want to see it.
1: Yes, it is very good. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, including other Bollywood films. But I don't have time to get into my opinions on that right now. But yes, I I do enjoy Bollywood films. I love the pacing of them. I love the musical numbers every time. I do wish American cinema was a little bit more lenient towards okay and now this character is experiencing an emotion and so they're going to sing about it and then the whole group is going to come out and everyone's (laughs) going to do a traditional folk dance and it's going to be awesome i i don't know i wish that (laughs) happened in american movies more often we get what shape of water you know what i mean
0: i mean if you talk to anyone here in america the thing they know about bollywood and indian cinema the the big movies there are that they're musicals that they have these big melodramatic musical numbers and Based on this, that's 100% true. But that sensibility also kind of influences the whole film. I think there's something really theatrical about the way everything is presented. Everything is heightened to a degree that, yeah, I just didn't expect. Again, once I sank into it, I really loved it. But it was unexpected. And it's not a tone that I'm used to in Hollywood films. Even the really sentimental, romantic ones. Do you know what this genre is called, by the way? No. According to Wikipedia, again, masala films? The like combination of spices, masala spice, oh. um, because they mix a bunch of different things. They mix comedy, romance, drama, musicals, action. It's all just thrown in together, kind of like uh, masala spices. So that's what a Bollywood film is, I guess. And this is a genre that sort of began in the 1970s, uh, which coincides with the the time period that musicals really died out in american cinema so i think that's interesting (laughs) have no idea if that's uh if one thing relates to the other but um yeah they've been they've been the bread and butter of bollywood ever since there we go there you go i don't want to make too many like comments about bollywood and indian cinema based on one movie though like i don't know if they're all this melodramatic uh, I've, I've seen one of them. Is that just a quality that this film has, Devdas? Is it a quality that this director has? Or is it a quality that the entire... I would, say,
1: film... I would say Sawaria was very melodramatic. Yeah? To the point that I didn't really fully understand it when I was younger, even though I was having a good time. I was able to follow the story, but I didn't really understand why everyone was acting like that. I would say that the melodrama is a huge part of these big, like, Bollywood spectacle films that are really large and have these big numbers and are telling huge stories mm. is there always so much um um violence against women uh mm, no i just uh, i don't see that trope in other bollywood movies that i've seen that's not really a part of it so i i feel like it's something specific with this story and something that's told as part of the story Something
0: archaic in india i mean this book came out in 1917 this film takes place in the early 20th century, back when the British were still ruling over India. So, yeah, there are some out of date elements. Did you read this little review that I sent you? I did.
1: You know, I hated this review. <laughs> it's from the Bollywood Boulevard. Uh, I know you hate it. Do you know why I hate it? I want to hear you say it. Because if you, if you might not, and that's fine. But I just want to know I, I, if you I, I want I, to know. I actually, you know.
0: I, just because they were kind of like,
1: eh. No, the first thing they do right off the bat is they start comparing them to the other movies that he's made and start ranking them. I hate that. Ah, yes. Judge yes. the film on its own merits. I don't care. Like if you want to bring up this movie was disappointing, and then in a separate thought bring up his first film, I still think is an un- is an overlooked masterpiece blah, 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 go check that one out. That's fine. But to be like, well, that one's number one. And then the next one you made, that one's now number two. And this one is like low on the list. This is number three. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I, I like. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Just judge the movie for what it's presenting to you. Quit being like, how does it compare to the, other, the director's other movies? I don't care about that. Not a great critical assessment
0: here. But I did send this to you because of that, actually. Because I think it's interesting to see how... I don't know, much respect this director does have. I mean, this is a huge film to to have him helm up. And according to this review, he was directing. I mean, this sounds familiar, right? He was directing smaller, uh, more prestigious films that audiences were sort of overlooking before he was handed the keys to something so, so big and massive. Yeah. Yeah, this is his third film. And yeah, according to this reviewer, Sanjay Lila Bansali is one of the country's best directors, but the failure of some of his previous films to capture the public are evidence of the short-sightedness of the Indian movie-going public. Quote, evidence of the fact that the audience doesn't always know best. End quote, which I think is just funny. (laughs) But this was a massive hit. It had to be. Yeah, a huge, huge success. You know, making big waves in the Bollywood box office, but also influencing culture. As I understand it, the, the the dresses that the the women were wearing became really popular amongst women in India for a time after this film.
1: Well I definitely want like a red veiled ornamented dress. That then I can just pop open and suddenly I'm in an emerald equally ornamented dress <laughs> equally ornamented i uh, that that was a gag that number was great in general. I was just really happy she got a solo in general. This is um Chandra Muke's big number in the second act hmm the first beat the when the when the first drum bit drum beat hits, she just pops and does a reveal, and she's an emerald, and then the song is about who's making me emerald. Which, I don't know if this is this is probably just some dumb American interpretation. I'm assuming she's talking about being jealous of Pero. But I don't know if Emerald slash Green associates with jealousy in Indian culture. In fact, I kind of doubt it. But that was how I interpreted it.
0: Were you reading the subtitles during those dance sequences?
1: Of course. Oh, Arthur.
0: I should be better at this, but I will admit that during the dance numbers, I was kind of just uh, entranced by everything else going on.
1: Oh, so you don't even know what Dola Dola is about. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're they're becoming fast friends.
1: Yes, and they're they're and they're sort of making these quick jokes and sort of making fun of each other for just how obsessed they both are with the same man. Which is a dynamic I have never seen in a movie or any sort of story. Like the two other ends of the love triangle, I've seen them. Of course, I've seen in scripts and movies them come together and become friends and learn to respect each other but i've never seen them like making fun of you're like why are we bo- why are we both so obsessed with this guy while also just singing this like bang and pop number yeah that
0: was my favorite musical number
1: the only musical number that didn't do anything for me and i think i'm just again this is a cultural thing it has to be was the big drinking number where within the number Everyone's celebrating drinking culture and how much fun they're all having and then also it's revealed in this number that all of these musical numbers have been 100% diegetic because Chandra Mookie suddenly realizes that Teodas is dying from alcohol poisoning from the musical number and so has to like Work her way past people who are still dancing and singing around her to get to him, while he's just coughing up blood in the street. Man, I didn't I don't...
0: even think about like they were really dancing or anything.
1: <laughs> it was just funny to me that the movie, the movie was for the most part making it feel like these are these fantastical moments in the story. And they're being accentuated by music. And that scene was the only scene where it was like, no, no, these are literally actually happening. And now it's an obstacle. She, like, can't get to him in time because people are dancing all around her and she can't walk through. (laughs) (laughs)
0: There There were a couple reviews that didn't love that musical number either. And thematically, I guess it's kind of strange, too. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a drinking binge and it's not good for him. And there they are celebrating it. I was more concerned about all of them throwing their bottles on oh the my ground, god, and then they're still dancing barefoot
1: This is a huge misunderstanding of how alcoholism works. Okay having been friends with and known many alcoholics who are Struggling with this, you know have struggled or are struggling with this. This is a real real condition And alcohol is it's not just like oh, I like to drink and then get drunk and I do it too much It's like alcohol becomes your master And these people have no respect for that master. They're just, like, pouring it all over the place and up in the air. And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Every alcoholic I've met, if they were to see, like, someone pouring the alcohol out of the bottle onto the ground onto their faces into each other's backs or whatever like they'd be like what why aren't they drinking it like that they would it's just not it's just not how alcoholism
0: works correction it's not how alcoholism works in america yeah, okay. andrew you have no Maybe. idea you have Maybe. no
1: idea i don't know i guess i don't know it's <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. It legitimately might just be that cheap in India. Because I know in Thailand, alcohol is super, super cheap. These people are also stupid rich. That's true. Are we done with this review? Oh, yeah, I'm done with
0: the review. We're definitely done with this review. Yeah. But, yeah, in general, the review's kind of iffy, honestly. Not a lot of people at the time in India, in the critical circles, were in love with this. Uh, I, think, I
1: think the... Reception has
0: gotten better over time, though.
1: If you go to YouTube videos of the musical numbers and look at the comment sections, it's all these people talking about how they grew up with this movie and how it's one of their favorite movies and how they would consider this a classic 20 years later. I love that.
0: We talked about how rare it is for Bollywood films to get exported to the West, to America. This is one of the first Bollywood films to
1: have that treatment. It's 2002. It's very recent. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, as I said earlier, this is the first year that a foreign film has ever been number one at the box office. That's right. I was thinking about that, too.
0: Um, but it
1: had its premiere at Cannes. Allegedly, that went horribly. That was funny to read about. Like, not funny funny, but just... To have enjoyed the film so much, and for me, it's like I knew what I signed up for, and just imagining the can, What were the can audiences going crazy for? Confessions of a Dangerous Mind... Or they loving this year? <laughs> oh, this was the year they went crazy for The Pianist. Oh, okay. Sure. I guess we didn't even talk about Roman Polanski. The Pianist was a big... Like, it winning all those awards was a huge reason why he became a part of the conversation. Um, but you know what? That technically happens in 2003. Um, but, yeah, so they were going crazy for The Pianist. They were going crazy for... Oh, Blissfully Yours is a Wonderful Movie... These are all very slow-paced, very dramatic movies about very serious subjects. Spider by David Cronenberg, one of his most art house movies. Punch Drunk Love by Paul Thomas Anderson. You know, these are the movies that were coming out. So I guess I can kind of understand why they would go see this and not get it. But I do love that the director said, Oh no, I was just so happy to be there. I was so happy to be able to present the first Bollywood film at the Cannes Film Festival. And he was just so proud. Like, he didn't care that everybody hated it. I'm like, that really does make you all look like fools at the Cannes (laughs) Film Festival. It makes you all look like idiots. This humble artist brought this huge epic, and all y'all could do is sneer and wish that you're watching another Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Anyways.
0: Or or another Roman Polanski
1: movie. Or another Roman Polanski movie.
0: We talked a little bit about the directors Sanjay Leela Bansali, but... There are other names that must be highlighted.
1: Yes, I wanted to talk about Nitin Shansdrakant Desai, the uh, set slash production designer. Because these are some of the best sets I think we've watched for this show. I just thought this production design was unbelievable. It looked like a whole city. It did. It looked like a whole ocean. There were fountains and everything. It was crazy. Waterfalls.
0: How did they do it?
1: I just was so blown away. Yes, it, it... it, it's like, Douglas Sirk, eat your heart out, man. This is this is it. And I'm sure that his... Um, I'm sure that Douglas Sirk's style and his economic take on Hollywood sets and how he was able to make them so big and lavish for relatively inexpensive prices, I'm sure somehow that technology is in a way related to inspired by or did inspire this sort of thing. But this is just so much more grandiose than anything he ever did. And because it's later in history and there's more money and more resources in general. But yeah, it was just so incredible to watch. Every time they reveal a new set, my jaw just dropped. And then they would do a huge musical number on it. (laughs) They would. And I, I just loved it every time. I thought you said earlier
0: that this felt like it was taking place in some sort of like fantasy setting. And I definitely agree. But one of the notes that I kept seeing pop up time and time again was that the set design was very, very well researched from the time period, the early 20th century. Uh, They were inspired by the buildings and architectures of the time. And maybe there's accentuation going on, but it's all rooted and coming from a very real place, which is hard to believe as you watch it, but cool. I mean, the brothel itself... Have you ever seen a brothel that looks basically like uh, a palace like this? I mean, this is incredible.
1: No, I haven't. But I've also never seen a brothel.
0: You've never been to a brothel? I've never
1: been inside of a brothel. I've seen them from the
0: outside. Maybe inside they look like this. But yeah, from the outside.
1: (laughs) The Inside. You have to, after the lady hands you the trading card in Vegas, you walk in and then you're like, oh, this is actually really nice. (laughs) This is just (laughs) It just looks gross from the outside. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They have this huge wide open space for their musical numbers. Yeah, well,
1: wow, you just come in and suddenly a whole numbers are <laughs> <to> like, yes, <laughs> this is not what I thought was going to happen.
0: And then you also wanted to mention Ismail Dardar. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. But I'm not. No. Who wrote the music and the lyrics.
1: Yeah. Because I thought the music was banging. The music was banging. Well, the songs were so good. That was my main takeaway from RRR as well. When I watched that recently, was that the music was just so incredible. I do thoroughly enjoy. Well, I guess RRR is a Telugu film, but I enjoy this style as well. They're they're very different, but I do enjoy this Hindi style uh, music as well. It's just really catchy, and the woman playing Paro, she just has such a beautiful voice. She does. And a beautiful face. Yeah, she doesn't look real. She looks like she should be in Don Bluth's Titan A or something. Like she's just a fully computer generated. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no face is that perfectly sculpted. It's just right. not. It's just not. And the in her eyes, I mean, her eyes are just incredible. Like right. This blue color. I don't. I don't think she's real.
1: She's got movie face for sure. She's got major yes. movie face. That was the funny thing to me was seeing like what what little marketing material I saw for this all showed Dixie, uh, who is the actress who played Chandra Muki. They showed her, and and I think she was a bigger name at this time. There's even this whole thing about how she wasn't at this premiere, and there was a lot of a lot of scandalous talk about why she wasn't at the premiere. So I think she was just mm. in general a big deal. But I'm like, no, 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 you gotta put a uh, you gotta put the girl playing Paro on the poster. She's she's looks like she is a movie. Like, <laughs> she does not look like a human being. She looks like she's a movie. Aishwara Rai? Yeah.
0: Pronouncing her name totally incorrectly there, but yeah. Yeah.
1: We're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> we're celebrating the culture as respectfully as we can. If we'd have thought this through more, we would have actually had a guest on for this episode who knew what they were talking about. But Right. I I, I want to also just admit to something. Sure. I, I did say earlier, you know, I haven't seen a lot of Bollywood films, but I just really want to emphasize that this is also a blind spot for me. And every time I watch a Bollywood film, I'm always completely entranced by it, completely enamored by it. I think it's a wonderful experience. And so I, I do want to watch more. And there are actually quite a few on Netflix. And I think that I'm going to take a deeper dive later this year. That That's something I want to dive into. I want to start off with more films from Sanjay Lila Bansali because having already seen two of his films and liking them both, I want to see I want to see his first movie because the critic loved that one so much. But I also want to see his most uh, recent film because it stars the woman who is also in RRR and she also does not look mm. real, by the way. <laughs> and her name is Alia Bhatt, if you want to look her up.
0: Yeah, this whole genre of film—if uh, we want to call them masala films, Bollywood films—seems like they're right up your alley.
1: I mean, you have been tricking me into so many musicals. It's true, and they literally are movies that trick you into watching musicals. That is the whole point. It is always like an action movie or an epic romance or something. Like it's never—it's never an actual musical. That's never the genre, and then it tricks you, and then suddenly it's a musical every time.
0: Yeah, they're just like, well, this is what this is this is what movies are you just put musical numbers in there
1: when i saw rrr so many people were there to see like a big campy action movie and even the openings the opening scene of that movie is horrifying devastating (laughs) but when it finally got to the first musical number so many people in my theater were so shocked and then after the movie the post-movie discussion with a lot of people there were like oh my god that was so crazy and uh like oh my uh, and it was a musical on top of everything else people were acting like that was part of why the movie was so outlandish mm-hmm. and i was like no this movie was outlandish for its crazy political statements and its wild second half the musical numbers are to be expected like you got to do a little bit of research before you come to a movie like this just a tiny bit oh but i love going into movies blind i guess that's true i i just it was weird that there were so many Things about that movie that were just tropes of Bollywood movies in general that all that this American audience was like, oh, my God, that was so crazy. And it's like, well, yeah, watch a Bollywood movie sometime. I guess they just did. I guess I'm just a hater. Do you think Americans hate musicals? No, I don't.
0: I don't think they hate musicals. I think there's a sentiment in Hollywood right now that they do not make money. They are not good investments.
1: Well, when was the last time a good musical came out? Well, West Side Story was pretty good. Pretty good. Also, a remake of a pre-established property. Also, it didn't do anything to update its material. I'm not saying it has to. I'm just saying that movie was made for a very specific audience, and I think everybody from that audience showed up to see it. It's not like we're getting these big, lavish, original musicals in America consistently that are entertaining and well thought out and well done. Annette was wonderful. But it was also, again, just a really tough pull for an audience. Like, Annette wasn't, like, a Bollywood movie. It was, like, an art house movie. And that wasn't even really Hollywood. So it's, like, I don't know. I, I can't... Whenever Hollywood does a musical, it is always a movie adaptation of a stage musical that already exists. And, like, I don't I don't see the value in those at all. I hate those. Almost all the okay, time.
0: Okay, you, you, you hate them. But those are the ones that actually, like, That actually pull audiences in. Like, audiences don't, apparently they don't show up to West Side Story, which, you know, as you just said, was like an established
1: thing. Did they show up for In the Heights? I don't think so. I don't think that did amazingly well either. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that, you know, those adaptations of the stage shows, and West Side Story is also just an adaptation of a stage show. I I think that some stories do belong on the stage and should just stay there. I don't think that America has really given the proper musical a chance. As far as original musicals coming out consistently, I mean, obviously we did well, back in the back in the day, but not in, not in the modern audience. I don't think we can honestly answer the question, do American audiences hate musicals? Because I don't think we've been presented with enough options to make that call.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Okay. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think I disagree. I think we have a lot of options out there. They're seen as kids' movies. People don't want to experience... Those kind of raw emotions. They're scared of them. And uh, as soon as something breaks out into a musical number, I don't think American audiences are there for it. That's the impression I get. I, and I think, I, I don't know, man. I feel like there's, a, there's enough out there that people just
1: don't want to go to. When was the last original musical produced by Hollywood?
0: I, I, I don't think it being original would help the issue.
1: But if it was something that was like also an action movie that was also, you know, some sort of spectacle that had other things going for it and then was a musical as well. I think there'd be more of a chance of success instead of musicals being seen as a genre by Hollywood and being seen as oh you can only tell these kinds of stories through musicals. It'd be a bold
0: choice to turn like Jason Bourne into a musical, but I'd be there for it.
1: Yeah, I would I would go that would be the first I would Bourne be there movie for it. I've I don't think
0: since ultimatum. Um, I don't think American audiences would be there for it though. That just, I just can't imagine that.
1: Well, we're we're going to eat our words when Joker 2 comes out, and it's a huge hit, and everybody loves it, and Lady Gaga wins an Oscar.
0: You know what? I hope that happens. All right, should we go to final thoughts?
1: Yeah, Dev Does is a good movie, and it's really well made, and people should watch it. Especially, I think if you haven't seen a Bollywood film before, this is a good one to start off with. It made me want to watch more. I feel like this was a great one to start off with.
0: Again, I am very curious what is a quality unique to Devdas, what is a quality unique to the director, and what is a quality unique to the film genre, masala films, Bollywood films as a whole. So uh, the only way to get that perspective is to watch more Bollywood films, which I would be happy to do, especially with you, Andrew. I think it would be a lot of fun to watch these kinds of films with someone who's having a lot of fun with them.
1: Mason thoroughly enjoyed watching RRR with me. He said that it made it better. Nice. Oh, wait. I had this in somewhere, Arthur. What exactly was this sister-in-law all about? This girl... She just wanted to cause drama. She... (laughs) She was just having fun. I don't know if I hate her or if I want to be her. She just... She's just always giving a side eye. She's just the absolute worst. Like, everything bad that a person could do, she does. She just is so vitriolic for no reason. She has all this hate in her heart. And there's never any motivation given. There's never any reasoning for it. She's just a really bad person. Like, you just have to sort of accept that and roll with it for the plot to make any sense at all. She doesn't like her brother. There's favoritism in the family.
0: She's jealous of her brother, Well, girl, man. she's
1: a sister-in-law, okay? You gotta get used to that. <laughs> Married into a family of landlords and you expect to just shoot to number one? And, like, that whole subplot with her stealing the keys to get the inheritance and everything like if that was her grand plan when that was revealed I was like oh finally there's a plan like she's not just some horrible person just doing horrible things because that's what she likes to do like there's there was a plan this whole time but then the plan quite literally goes up in flames and then we never see her ever again so I was like oh I, I, I guess that didn't matter we did never s- oh huh yeah. it was 4d chess we it, she literally <laughs> only stole it because she thought he might be drunkenly eavesdropping on my conversation and therefore i he is going to set the building on fire to try and get me to give him the key and then when the mom shows up i will throw him the key and then i will blame it all on him and i don't even want the inheritance again this was just me doing a horrible thing to be a horrible person and make his life worse for no discernible reason.
0: Well, Andrew, have you read the novel? Because they go into it in the novel.
1: Oh, do they? I would love for you to explain know. it to me.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can't critique stuff like that until you've read the novel. Oh. Until you've read the source material. So just just shut up.
1: Just shut up. Was Devdas a bad person? Oh, oh he's the worst. <laughs> Thank oh, you, yes. Oh, yeah, he's Sorry. the absolute worst. His introduction to us we get this huge elaborate musical number again my favorite number in the show where the whole thing is her show, showing how her love is keeping this candle alight and she does this huge dedication of love to him that is just magnificent and wonderful to watch and immediately you're thinking oh no what's gonna happen that's gonna make this love not work because if this is our introduction the love can't work and then you meet him and you're like oh that guy and then he starts talking <laughs> he starts talking to her and he's making all these quote unquote jokes like oh i wasn't thinking about you at all oh i never think about you ever oh and he was negging <laughs> her he,
0: that's what you have to do to win women over
1: yes it was the neg <laughs> <laughs> but yeah again that's why that um because then he meets this courtesan who is again just jaw-droppingly beautiful Head over heels in love with him for,
0: I don't know why. Some reason. Listen, he is a movie star. He is a good, <laughs> was he a good looking
1: guy? He's an okay looking guy. Well, he's a movie star. He's in a movie. He's I think. an okay looking guy. Like, I, I, He's a very, very big Bollywood actor, and I do think he has an incredible nose. I could stare at it all day. But like, I would like to see him play a character that's a little bit more sensual, a little bit more empathetic and romantic because then i would probably be able to find him more attractive he was just such a douche this whole movie that i couldn't really get on his side kind of a sexy voice right kind of deep yeah 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 i wish he'd gotten a solo where was his solo hmm yeah he didn't have one. Oh my god what is this please tell me this is about 9 11 or something oh my god it really is <laughs> what are you talking about is it a musical? I I'm looking. I looked through his filmography and there's a movie called My Name Is Khan, and the poster is this uh, superimposed image of him holding this white woman, and there's an American flag in the background that's like coming through their skin, uh, but it looks really bad. The poster looks really really bad. And then I click <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, this, this surely this isn't a musical about 9/11, and then it it is about 9/11. I, I whether it's a musical or not, it's still hard to tell. Whatever whatever i got to guess uh i got to get us to our patreon content if all that's right. okay let's do
0: it i want to give a big shout out to amar thank you for recommending devdas
1: this was delightful Andrew, what are we watching next week uh next week we are watching spring summer fall winter and spring directed by kim kiduk looking forward to that
0: i know you love it
1: yeah well thank you so much to all of our regular listeners for tuning in to another week of a century in cinema Don't forget to go to the podcast streaming service of your choice. Give us a five-star rating and review, and tell your friends and family about our little podcast. We do love doing this for y'all, and we love for y'all to get the word out. To our Patreon listeners, we're about to talk about bad movies to watch with your parents and also discuss uh, Cronenberg's new film, Crimes of the Future in a a little bit as well so if that sounds like content you would like to listen to feel free to join our patreon there is a link in the show notes as well as on our facebook page our facebook page is a century in cinema it's all just called a century in cinema we we nailed it with that name we we got everything but that is the end of our episode thank you so much for listening and tuning in thank you so much nathan royal for our show's music thank you arthur for talking with me this morning thank you andrew